This is the Saverin on Steelers podcast from Steelers Nation Radio. Catch Stan every weekday at 2 on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. It's a Saverin on Sports. Well, we've seen the Music City Miracle and the Miracle of the Meadowlands and the Miracle on Ice. Would the Browns beating the Ravens be a miracle? Just for the sake of discussion, let's assume, and I know what happens when you assume. But let's assume that the Steelers do beat the Bengals. I think they will. Realistically, what are the chances that the Browns beat Baltimore in Baltimore? What's your thoughts on that? The Steelers players will vote on their MVP today. But before we get word on that, who's your Steeler MVP for 2018? I'm picking... Someone a little bit out of the spotlight, in the mainstream, if you will. Today is the 18th anniversary, hard to believe, of Mario's return. December 27, 2000. I've said this before. This was the biggest story I've ever covered in my 44 years in Pittsburgh. And I wonder what your... Recollections are of that day, of that game, of that entire scene. I'd like to hear that from you. I'll ask that very same question of Mark Madden coming up at 1220. And it's Stan Guy Day. Guy will join me from 1 until 2, and we'll get his recollections of that day as well. And there absolutely was what I hope will end up being a trend-setting moment in college football. We'll talk about all that. 412-922-2874. Pound 970 on your cell. You can email me, stansaverin at iheartmedia.com. You can post on Facebook, Saverin on Sports, or you can tweet at Stan. Love the show. I think the Steelers will beat Cincinnati. I know there's a lot of people that say, well, you know, play down to their opponents. All right. I, I don't think it'll happen. I mean, the Bengals have mailed it in pretty much. But just for the sake of discussion, that's not the question I'm asking you. If you want to respond that way, fine. Or if you want to respond, the Steelers don't deserve to be in the playoffs. If that's your thought, that's fine. That's not the question I'm asking. Damien says the Browns are a good team on a hot streak, and that's pretty dangerous by NFL standards. Scott says the current Browns would love to beat the old Browns. Let's hope the Steelers hold up their end. This is a different Browns team. And they are on a hot streak, but it's a different Ravens team, too. Let's not forget that. Now, I don't happen to think that the Ravens are a long-term threat in the playoffs. 
and largely because the quarterback can't pass. I mean, he's done wonders with his legs, but I, I don't think you can go a distance in the NFL playoffs unless your quarterback can pass. Maybe one day Lamar Jackson will. Right now, he doesn't. But that having been said, the Browns have some weapons. Baker Mayfield cheap among them. They've got a good running game with Nick Chubb, who's very underrated, a second-round pick. And they've got some weapons downfield they're developing. But you can't, you, you, know, you look at the Baltimore defense and say, where is this coming from? And you're used to Baltimore defenses, you know, with big names. I mean, Suggs still plays at a reasonably high level, but not the same level he once did. And I really think that the Baltimore secondary is vulnerable. I think their front seven's very good, but I think you can pass on them. But the Chargers certainly weren't able to. I don't know if Rivers just had a bad night. Or, as I pointed out to you, when the Chargers came here, and this sounds like sour grapes, but I don't think anything's changed in that regard. The Chargers' record of the teams they vanquished are not very good. They did beat the Steelers. They're an over 500 team, maybe not a playoff team. But the Chargers had a chance to prove to me anyway that they could hang with the big boys. And they were at home, if you call that their home stadium, and they got punished. They have an off game, or are they just not that good, or are the Ravens that good defensively? I know this much that the Ravens, when you talk about them in that game, that's going back a couple of weeks now, they totally negated Joey Boza. Anybody hear his name at all in that game? I think he, he, I, I, I think he flushed Jackson out of the pocket once all night. And you always get to the motivational part of it. The Ravens know what's at stake. But they're on a long winning streak, too. And will they run out of magic? They are at home. The one thing the Browns, I don't think this is good, I don't think it's a good matchup for the Browns. I just don't. But the one thing that Steelers fans do have going for them, if you believe in emotion and motivation, which I do, I think it's huge in football, in the NFL. The Ravens certainly know what's at stake. But it's not like they're playing a team that's mailed it in. I mean, the Browns, maybe it's artificial. They've said this is their playoff game. They want to finish over 500. They've already astounded most. The over and under on wins for them was five, five and a half. They're at seven. So there is some motivation there. How much the old Browns versus the new Browns, these players weren't around. I mean, the Browns left Cleveland for Baltimore in 1996. Some of these guys were in diapers at that point. But I do think the Browns are motivated. I think they'd like to end up over 500. Hurts their draft position. 
but it's something they're building for. 412-922-2874, pound 970 are the phone numbers to call. Dan in San Antonio, Texas. Hi, Dan. Hey, Stan. It's actually Jay. How you doing? Oh, I'm sorry, Jay. I apologize. No worries. Uh, I just want to give a condolences out. I heard about your situation, and I'm hoping that you can come back stronger than ever. I was sick those few weeks that I couldn't get you because I had Tim Benz covering for you. Well, it's just, uh, just a few days. I, you know, I just missed a three, four days, whatever it was. But um, I came back last Sunday night and full-time yesterday, and um, I'm feeling good. So thank you. I appreciate that, Jay. No problem, yeah. And I was listening to the post-game show uh, with you and Charlie. But I had a question, Stan. Uh, this whole scenario about James Conner getting hurt, it was a good story while I lasted. Now, I hate to bring this guy's name, but this is going to be my last time speaking about it. Um, they had a quote on fake Max Kellerman said that Pittsburgh offered Le'Veon Bell a chance to come back one final time, and he agreed to come back if they would lift the tag off of him. And Max keeps insisting that they told uh, he told them that he'll come back, and he said no. Is that uh, is there any truth to that story, or is that fake news? Um, I kind of think it's it's fake news. Uh, the, the, the rules are are set. He had until a certain deadline to come back. Um, and I don't know why he would reject the tag because the tag would, if he came back by the deadline, would only last for six weeks. No matter what happened, he was going to be a free agent at the end of this season, whether he came back or not. I just think he got to a point, two things happened. Uh, I, I think when Des Bryant came back and tore his Achilles tendon uh, after having not played, I think that was an issue. But I also think that, frankly, uh, his agent didn't do his homework or Bell didn't. I don't think that they realized, and I didn't either. Most people thought that Bell would have to come back and play a portion of this season in order to get rid of the tag and be an unrestricted free agent next year. Turns out that's not the interpretation at all. The interpretation is he didn't have to show up and didn't need to play to fulfill his obligation to become an unrestricted free agent. Now, the Steelers still could put another tag on him. Um, you know, they they uh, you know they could match an offer and that kind of thing. I don't think they want to go through that again. But, no, I, you know, he um, didn't have to come back, and he figured, why? Co- if I don't have to, other than the money that he lost, $5 million, 14 and a half total, there was no reason for him to come back so that he could, you know, become a – unrestricted free agent, which you will in March. Right. And see, my other point that I don't understand either, like I hear a lot of Steelers fans saying that, well, Pittsburgh lost uh, last week to the Saints, which they did, but the season wasn't lost then. The season was lost to those games against Oakland, the game against Cleveland, all those ties. And that's really in a nutshell what I didn't understand. And my last question for you, Stan, I'll let you go. On that third and 20 with Breeze when they connected that first down, do you guys know whose fault that was as far as was Davis missed assignment? Whose man was that when they gave up that big play on third and 20? Well, I'm with you, Jay. That, to me, with all the other stuff that happened, the Juju fumble and the Ridley fumble and so on and so forth, uh, that was the play that killed him. Um, uh, Sean Davis was in the area. Um, I believe Terrell Edmonds was in the area. Uh, but they're, you know, they're not saying whose fault it was. They, they won't unless a player comes out and says, I messed up. I don't think a coach is going to single them out in in, in, uh, in public, but I, I think that's right. exactly um, they were the ones in the area. Uh, you know who knows? And and you know as somebody said yesterday, it would have been one thing if Breeze was scrambling around, it was kind of a broken play. 
but it was a five-step drop. Boom. Ted Ginn's wide open. Uh, how does that happen on third and 20? Um, and, and, and that's what killed him right there. Yeah, Stan. Well, I appreciate the time, man. You take care now. I will. I th- appreciate the call, Jay. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Let's go to Richard in Wheeling, West Virginia. Hi, Richard. Hi, Richard. Oh, I'm going to ask you something. The show was on before you. It's called Punch and Wolf. They said they were talking about uh, Greg Williams for the uh, Cleveland Browns. Mm-hmm. He has to win this game. He has to beat the Ravens to get himself uh, a coaching, get himself a head coaching uh, position with the Browns. And I don't think he does. I think uh, I just want your opinion on it. I think that he has done enough already compared to the coach that has the last three years about what, one in 41, I think it was. I mean, he's already won. I forget when he came in, when, when they, I think he's. I think he won five of the seven um, that since, since they fired Hugh Jackson. Uh, let me put it this way. I don't think that beating Baltimore would guarantee him anything. I think it would be a very positive note on his resume for sure. But the, the one thing about it is is that John Dorsey, the new general manager over there, um, he's got relationships uh, from the past and two names. I'm, by the way, we're going to have a guy from Cleveland on tomorrow, my friend Kenny Rhoda, uh, talking about the Browns situation as they head into this Baltimore game. He'll be on tomorrow at 1. Um, he tells me that uh, – that Dorsey has a very good relationship with Pittsburgher Mike McCarthy, fired in Green Bay. He's also got uh, a strong relationship with the head coach at Oklahoma. Uh, if he wants to leave the college ranks to come to the NFL, Lincoln Riley. Um, so, uh, again, I, I don't know about Greg Williams. I don't know whether they'd want to retain him as defensive coordinator. Uh, I, again, I think beating Baltimore would be a – strong mark on his resume, but I don't think it guarantees anything. Based on the general manager, he inherited Hugh Jackson. I'm surprised he took the job on that basis, but I, I kind of think that he's going to want to bring in his own guy. Well, that's what's interesting there. So what you were saying, when you were talking about that, that might get Mike McCarthy, I'm just thinking this sounds like a situation of the old saying is, it's not what you know, it's who you know. That's always the case. It's always the case. I've been in situations where uh, people were doing a good job, but a new boss came in and said, I'm bringing in my own people. That's the way it works. Well, if that's just the way life works, I guess that is the case, then. It's not what you know, it's who you know. There you go. I think Greg Williams has done a decent job with him, and, uh, well, I I guess that's just it. Not what you know, it's who you know. All right, Richard. Thank you so much for the call. Take care. All right, we're going to talk about this being a very special day, anniversary in Pittsburgh sports history, we'll continue with our Steeler conversation as well. The Saverin on Steelers podcast from Steelers Nation Radio. Brady empties the set. Three to the right, two to the left. On second and goal, he's back. He taps, he waits. He's going to throw the ball to the near sideline, and it's going to be intercepted at the five-yard line. A wounded duck intercepted by Joe and the Steelers deny the Patriots the opportunity to make anything closer. There haven't been many big defensive plays this year by the Steelers. That certainly was one of them, maybe the most important. And I was going to campaign, if you will, not that I have a vote, 
for Joe Hayden as MVP, although most people suspect it'll be Ben. Well, this just in, I mean, seconds ago, it's not Ben. The Steelers' teammates voted Juju Smith-Schuster as their team MVP. I'm very surprised. I think Juju had a great year. Um, I mean, Antonio Brown did too. I would have thought if it was an offensive guy, which you figured it would be, it would be Ben. And this is not the first time that he's been snubbed. I don't know. Should we use that word, snubbed? So maybe I should change the narrative here instead of asking you who you think the Steelers MVP should have been. Was Ben snubbed? I mean, you can make a strong case for a lot of people. I was going to make the case for Joe Hayden. And I know the defense isn't very good, but that's exactly why I was going to submit a nomination for Hayden because, in my view, I mean, T.J. Watt gets some consideration, but maybe Joe Hayden made the defense as good as it could be, which isn't great, but without him... Imagine what that would look like. And matter of fact, don't even bother imagining. Look what happened when he didn't play against Kansas City. What If Joe Hayden plays against Kansas City, is it unreasonable to suggest maybe they win that game? I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't make that declaration. Oh, de- definitively, if Joe Hayden would have played. But that, that was going to be my, my recommendation. Just because there were a lot of really good players – On offense, we had a couple of folks recommend the offensive line. And that's reasonable, too. Although the MVP is for individuals. Rick says Ben's the MVP. Without him, they maybe win two games. It's fair. We saw what happened in the Oakland game when he sat out. If he doesn't get hurt, they win the game. Kevin tweets, he thinks it's very likely the Browns are going to win. Anyway, with respect to the MVP, it's got to be Ben, even if he made more than his share of boneheaded decisions. Where would this team be without him? My second choice is Juju, James Conner being third. I mean, Conner would have been a choice, but... You know, he hadn't played much recently. Had a couple of critical fumbles. Uh, you know, again, I, I would not have withheld my vote for Ben based solely on that, but he did throw some critical interceptions in the end zone at the end of games when games could have been won and were not. Wasn't the only reason they lost. But it's a factor. Still in all, I thought, generally the quarterback, if you've got a good one, a great one, everything revolves around them. I just was going to vote for Hayden because I thought he stood out among all the defenders, T.J. Watt. But Joe Hayden really made two game-winning plays Sunday in New Orleans and got screwed out of both of them. So my vote would have been Joe Hayden, maybe trying to skate along the edges there. But I am surprised 
not that Juju isn't deserving, but I am very surprised that Ben was not named. That's shocking to me, really. Kelton in New Jersey joins us now in Savernon Sports. Hello, Kelton. Stan, how are you? I'm well, thank you. First time, long time. Nice to a, have you. Yes, I've been a Steeler fan for ever since 1974. I'm 53 now. Uh, my question is to you. In the draft, what do you think we need and which way do we need to go? Defense or offense? I'm thinking defense, but what components can we use that can possibly help us not have these breakdowns that we were having? Well, if we're talking first round, uh, there's, to me there's one or two places, well, three really. Um, unfortunately, they need another outside linebacker. They need an inside linebacker, preferably a playmaker. Right. And they also need a corner. The problem is where I suppose if they don't make the playoffs, the only good thing about that is that their draft position will improve. If you're thinking about getting a top-flight corner, you pretty much, and I don't know the depth of the class. I really haven't spent any time looking at it yet. But if you want a top-flight corner, you better be drafting in the top 15, maybe the top 10. That's why you know, they're, they're gold. They're hard to get. Um, so, again, unless they trade up, I don't know if that's going to be possible. Maybe um, if you're not going to get a top guy, but you think you can get a real playmaker, an outside linebacker, because I don't think you're going to see Bud Dupree around here. Uh, we know that what they have inside is not nearly good enough. Uh, you know, they, they had a playmaker in Ryan Shazier, he obviously is not available. So one of those three areas. Um, I also think that they better, and I don't think it'll be in the first round, but it's, it's pretty evident to me that Sean Davis is not the answer. Um, I just don't think he's good enough. I don't think he has the instincts for it. I think physically, I think he's got the foot speed, but I don't know that he has the instincts to play free safety. Uh, but who knows what's available when they draft? But, I mean, any, any one of those positions uh, would not be a reach. What do you think about free agency going that route? Well, again, that's fine. They'll have cap room uh, because of Bell. Uh, I don't know. Again, I, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking from ignorance, which may be the case always, but uh, I, I don't know what the free agent crop is going to look like. Absolutely. This is, an, this is a time when you still think you're going to be a contender, when you've got the opportunity maybe to go after someone you can you know, bring in. Hey, they went after Hightower. He decided to go back to New England, so it's not that they're unwilling to do that. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, again, they have specific needs for them. On defense, they're not going to be able to fill all of them in the draft. I, I absolutely would advise that. And, and again, not with a number one, number two, but they're going to have to look for another, uh, maybe another running back, too. Yeah, they're definitely going to need another running back. But I see something on Sunday, and this is so weird. The Steelers offensively can play with anyone in this league. That was proven on Sunday. The Saints could not stop the Steelers. I agree. They stopped themselves. I agree. Um, and the referees had a hand in it, too. Not had to a playing. huge hand in it. <laughs> but uh, um, the, the thing about them is, is that, um, again, they, they didn't get knocked out of the playoffs in New Orleans. They got knocked in, uh, out in Oakland. They got knocked out in Denver. They got knocked out in Cleveland. Um, but when you look at their last two performances, New England and New Orleans, 
they stand, and even the Chargers, the Chiefs, they lost by five points. The Chargers by a field goal late. Um, when they're playing reasonably well, they you know they don't have to bow down to anybody. But, but as I've said all this week, a former NFL coach once told me there are about 140 snaps in an NFL game. About 130 of those 140 are pretty equal. It's the other 10 that decide the game. And they have been on the downside too many times of the other 10. That's right. And that was Jack Pardee. I remember that. That is Jack Pardee, exactly, who said that to me. Thank you, Kelton. Thank you, sir. It was a pleasure talking to you. I'm a great admirer. I love your show. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Thanks very much. You take care. Happy New Year. Uh, We've got Guy coming up. We're going to talk more about uh, Ravens' chance or the Browns' chance of beating the Ravens, the Steelers, the MVP. Um, Shocked about that. Uh, I don't want to get too much into the draft, as you know. My policy is let's let the season play out and do a post-mortem, which could come as early as Monday. Um, Well, Sunday night, actually. Um, But the MVP thing is uh, a surprise, um, shock, really. Uh, I'm going to send that out on Twitter. I want your responses to that. We'll get guys' recollections um, on the return of Mario Lemieux. Also, we're going to ask about this current team, where they're at. By the way, Matt Murray will start in goal tonight for the Pens against Detroit, which is struggling. Uh, Penguins are surging. We'll see what the reasons for that is. And also, yesterday, what I hope will be a trend in college football, a bowl game was canceled. Unfortunately, they waited until after it started. I'd like to see some of these canceled before they do get started. And what are your thoughts about some of the big-name players not playing? Love not playing for Stanford, Will Greer, West Virginia. Happens everywhere. Your thoughts about that? So it's standing guy day coming up. Uh, again, the the juju, I'm very surprised, shocked even. I thought for sure it would be Ben. My vote would have been for Joe Hayden. I gave you the reasons for that. We'll have a lot of conversation uh, about that as well. That's all ahead, Saverin on Sports. Coming up next, it's Stan and Guy. Love the show right here on Saverin on Sports on ESPN Pittsburgh. The Saverin on Steelers podcast from Steelers Nation Radio. Stan and Guy, hey. Love the show, dude. That's absolutely right. It's Stan and Guy back together again. Here's Stan Saverin and Guy Jones. Big rush. He throws it down the field. Pass cut on a dead run. And that is Juju loose. 45 40, 35 30, 25 20, 15 10. Juju, a 97 yard touchdown reception. And there is your. 2018, as voted on by his teammates, Steeler MVP Juju Smith-Schuster. It's Standing Guy Day. Love the show. Brought to you by Shenderovich, Shenderovich and Fishman. They got your backs, not your wallet. Now let's jump right in, Guy. Are you shocked, surprised that Juju and not Ben got the MVP award? Uh, I'm not shocked because I believe Ben's only won it once. 2009, Nine, the only right. time, yeah. So uh, what? whether that's now early in his career, maybe he wasn't quite as popular with his teammates who vote on it or not, uh, it's certainly who I would have voted for. When we first talked about this, when I first walked in before the announcement came and you said you were going to go in a different direction, the only other guy that I thought possible was Juju. 
Uh, your Joe Hayden pick was a good one, as we saw, especially when he was out. But I, I can't see anybody else other than Ben winning this, as much as of a great year that Juju Smith-Schuster had, especially coming on the heels of the fumble at the end of the New Orleans game. And then that wasn't enough to even, you know, take away from the rest of the season it that makes, he's had. It makes you wonder, uh, Steve tweets, and he said, were the he had a great season, Juju, and he was very actually. You could make the case not against Ben, but you could make the case that he was more consistent than Antonio Brown. Now, part of Juju's success is playing opposite Antonio Brown. I think he would be the first to admit that. But I'm Steve brings up the point in his tweet. Since it's really raw and it's really fresh, and he took it so hard, did some people vote for him to kind of boost his confidence um, and make? You know, don't that, feel bad. It's a human, human nature thing. Yeah. I think that's He's very possible. popular in the room, as you know. I mean, yards after catch, he, their, their stats are pretty similar. I mean, that, that's why I think, how do you pick Juju Smith-Schuster that much over Antonio Brown? He's, you know, they, 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 he has a couple more catches than him and, you know, about 100 more yards than him, and that, that's about it. And he's been targeted a lot more times, which tells you Antonio Brown is catching, you know, uh, the balls that are thrown to him. And Antonio Brown leads the team and the league in touchdown catches. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so, I, so yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm mildly surprised but not shocked because of all these years in what is a Hall of Fame career, Ben's only been the team MVP one time. I, there wasn't anybody on defense, though, including Joe Hayden, Stan. I, you know, people are going to point to, you know, the year that Boswell's had and they're going to look at in, end zone interceptions and fi- – their failure to protect second-half leads is the reason they are where they are. It's a recurring theme. It has been since game one when they were up two touchdowns on the Browns with eight minutes to play. Whether it was a fumble deep in their own territory that's, that started the turnaround or not, that's been the issue. That's the overriding problem, and there isn't anybody on that unit I could vote for for an MVP. Understood. Um, I just thought sometimes you know the best of the worst – um, plays a more significant role than when you've got four, yeah. you know, best of the best. By the way, the last ten years, Ben Dinwid it did win it in two thousand nine. Didn't make the playoffs that year. You have the whole list in front of you. I do. Uh, well, well not, they, not the whole. The last ten years oh. is all that I have. We can get that. But Troy Polamalu won it in twenty ten. Okay. Um, Heath Miller won it in twenty twelve. Uh, but Antonio won it about four times. Four. Uh, Le'Veon Bell won it in 14 and 16, okay. and Antonio Brown won it in 11, 13, 15, and 17. Odd years only. So your Steeler MVP next year will be uh, based on the only ones that, uh, in odd years. Well, those, those are the last 10. See, I got no issue with the def- with Palomalu, obviously. I mean, he was, he was a freak when he was at the top of his game. A running back that's going to touch the ball, especially like Bell, who catches it as well 25, 30 times a game. A quarterback who the ball's in his hands every minute of the game, you know, you really got to have, to me, a phenomenal year as a receiver, especially when you've got several. When you've got two guys like Brown and Schuster who are so close statistically, and one probably can't do what he's doing without the other, it's it just wouldn't be my vote. Yeah, I understand. No, I I think that push comes to shove. I thought Ben was so obvious. I thought I'd go in a different direction. Yeah, I think I think everybody did. it is. It's surprising at the, at the very least. Like the uh, coaching staff, they outthink themselves. Yeah, this is too obvious. Let's come up with something different. I know that they know <laughs> that he know. It, it does bring up, and I think that the dynamic inside the locker room has changed. 
But there was a time when there were a lot of players who were not big Ben Roethlisberger fans as a person, not as a quarterback. They recognized his greatness. And there were several of the veterans, guys like Jerome Bettis, who went to him and said, hey, you, you need to step it up. You, you know, you're the quarterback. You have to be a leader in here. And I think he attempted to do that. I don't think he was very successful at it. He had his other issues going on. That's a long time ago now. Um, and, and I think all those things. But that seemed to have changed. I mean, everybody looks to him as being a leader. Um, I don't know. Was it punitive in nature? Was it, was it personality-driven? I, I don't think so. And I think part of the fact that, you know, that he is the veteran guy and young guys have come along. So much of this team now is not around during those issue years. Yeah. That the, and I mean, and it seems heartfelt. Every time you talk to us, obviously his offensive linemen love him. Every time they, you know, it's not fake when they talk about him or praise him. So um, just made, I think, what was that Dan had said that, you know, maybe it's a little bit to help Juju pick himself up Steve. after it. Or Steve, Steve. Right. yeah. And, um, you know, and I, I also think that the quarterback is always just such an easy guy on any team to pick as the MVP because they're all obviously uh, the most important player on any team, whether they perform or not. Scott tweets, I've been calling Juju our MVP uh, week in, week out. A couple of hiccups, but a bright spot all season. I like your Hayden pick, though, the bright spot defensively all season. Scott says, I will say Ben deserves um, it almost yearly every season. And I think – Teams are looking for if you're successful. I mean, you look at New Orleans. Would it be Drew Brees automatically? Would it be Brady? Um, certainly, it would be Pat Mahomes in Kansas City, Rivers in San Diego. Um, could be Kamara in New Orleans. I would give him a no. no but a you know, yeah, but, but if they have such a thing and the team, the players vote, you know, it would be Brees. Yeah. I don't know. Curious. Things get curiouser and curiouser. Four one two nine two 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 eight seven four pound nine seventy. The counselor joins us now. Hello, counselor. Hi, Stan. Hi, guy. Happy New Year to both of you. Thank you, Healthy counselor. One, two. You too. Most important. I'm glad you're back, Stan. I was got starting to get worried. I was going to call the station to see if you. <laughs> Another savage <laughs> bender. He was in the gutter. Exactly. Face down. Okay. Um, my comment on the on the Steelers. Uh, I, I, you could have picked, in my opinion, Juju or, uh, or Ben, uh, it could be flip a coin as far as I'm concerned, because Juju had some big catches at key moments. I realize he had the fumble, but you know, I don't look at that fun fumble. It was a bad time to have it. Don't get me wrong, but you know, I agree with guy that uh, defense can't hold leads late late in games. And that goes to the talent. And their talent is not enough on that defense to uh, make a play, as the saying goes. No, it wasn't. Um, uh, nice Steelers tweets. He said, Juju had one untimely fumble. Ben had at least eight jaw-droppingly bad interceptions. Um, that is true. Of course, he's got the ball in his hands. And let's face it. Um, he's throwing the ball, I think, way too much between 45 and 50 times a game. You know, the more you throw, the more chances are you're going to get picked. Although the ones that stick with me are those ones in the end zone. They just, they just seem so unnecessary. Those are the ones right. that, that I remember. And actually, I think Samuels is a better runner than they give him credit for. They don't, in my opinion, they don't allow him to be more of a runner. I mean, I understand he's a great back out of the backfield for pass catching, but 
I just think um, they they they've shortchanged the guy. Okay, well, I'm not I, saying he's. Not, I, I'm not saying he's John he, James Conner, but he's a backup. Uh, you know, he did probably a little bit better. But I also wonder if Conner had been available, if they wouldn't have turned to the running game more frequently than they did, placing more trust in Connor, although he had some big fumbles too. Yeah, the only other thing I was going to say is hopefully they're not going to get done in one draft, but I don't see anything but defense being, and I agree with you, Sean Davis is not a free safety. And to tell you the truth, we all know about uh, Bud Dupree. Might be a backup, but he's not worth $7 million. Uh, I know they exercised the option, but I don't know, think that he's worth $7 million no, either. He won't be back, not at that price. Counselor, thank you very much. Sure. Uh, Guy, let me get to um, – unless you have some thoughts on, on – Well, the issues. one thing about the, the amount of touches, and I agree, and Ben's thrown some terrible interceptions, and when you're throwing them at the goal line with the game on the line, that does take away from from something like an MVP, boat. But you can't compare that to a receiver who has 100 catches and lost a fumble to a guy that's thrown 630 passes all year. I mean, it's just – you know, just it's pure math. Uh, just a couple, to wrap that up, Carol says, I'm not surprised or shocked at Juju being selected – uh, Rob, I was thinking it was Ben for sure. Take him out of the offense. How many games do you win? Ben won games without A, B, and Bell before. Uh, defense was Hayden, of course. Um, again, I think that's not most productive. It's not most flash. I mean, I think that that I think that's true. The, the one guy they probably could not have won even the the eight games without is Roethlisberger. No doubt. But I also think, and I would have voted for him. But I also think that that is endemic to the position. I mean, if you if you've got a top flight quarterback, unless you're Baltimore, and then you might have had 10, 12 wins if Joe Flacco didn't play the first half of right. the season. You know the way I, things are going. Yeah, I mean, it is endemic to the position, but so is failure. If you're not a good quarterback, I mean, you know, you're the least valuable player. Exactly, uh, but you can say it, if you have offensive success, Baltimore being the exception because he can't throw the ball. Um, that's why I think I think Baltimore will beat Cleveland, but I don't see Baltimore advancing terribly far because sooner or later your quarterback has to be able to pass you to victory. Right. Well, the one thing about interesting, I was looking up. I want to do a comparison on Flacco and Jackson. Their quarterback ratings for the year are almost to the percentage point the same. They both have thrown twice as many touchdowns as interceptions. The big difference is Jackson's run for 605 yards. Yep. Flacco ran for 45. Flacco's just your one-dimensional drop-back passer. But but in terms of passing, I, I, you're probably still better off with Flacco than you are Jackson. The thing about Baltimore is, Stan, and I agree with you, I don't think they'll go far either if they get in. This is the time of year you want that 17-point-per-game defense. Yep. I mean, you know, and that's, it's, I know that's old-fashioned, and people don't talk about that anymore. They love – Monday night games with over a hundred where the losing team scores 50 points. I don't, but I, I still think that, you know, on a, on, if that defense plays up to par, that there's an upset even on the road somewhere in the playoffs. Well, consider this. Of Baltimore's winning streak, right? And remember, they're getting ready to fire John Harbaugh. He, he was going to be history all yeah. of a sudden. So everybody who wants to fire coaches, you know. Uh, you well, know. other than the Charger game, they beat a bunch of chumps, mostly at That's home. That's where I was getting to. Yeah. They, they, the, the one team with a winning record that they've beaten in this streak was the Chargers. And that's impressive. They beat them out in L.A., although, yeah. you know, they, I think like 18,000 people wandered in because they had nothing else to do, um, you know, in that Chargers 
stadium and everything. I thought it was else. a Grateful Dead concert. Exactly. Or they, you know, the opening of a new health food store. They weren't quite sure which. <laughs> They're giving away free alpha, alpha sprouts. Um, but they have not beaten a bunch of, you know, kudos to them. you got to beat those teams as the Steelers learned. You know, look what they've done against teams. But um, when you're thinking about the Ravens and the higher-tier teams, um, the Charger game was impressive. Um, but I still have to be uh, shown that. Um, well, that loss to Cleveland's what really started the downfall. Uh, the, the, the Baltimore started the year 3-1. and one. They lost that game to Cleveland, and he only won one more game until Flacco got hurt. They lost three in a row up, uh, up till the Steeler game when he got hurt. They lost four out of five, I think, if you count that Cleveland game. They had gotten off to a decent start, other than that loss to Cincinnati. I, mean, I was shocked. I remember watching because I thought there was a chance Cincinnati would finish below the Browns before the season started, and they beat them pretty good in the second or third week of the season. There, I thought, hmm, I might have them pegged wrong. Well, the Ravens were four and five, and now they're in position, of course, to – uh, to win the division, how realistic, all things considered, both physical and emotional, how realistic, guy, do you think it is that the Browns beat the Ravens Sunday? Well, I think, I think the start of the game is real important, Stan. If Baltimore struggles at all, they'll get. Remember, they just needed to beat the Bengals to get in last year in the last game of the year, and they didn't. And that'll be in a bunch of their minds if they start. Even if they're down a field goal at halftime or something. Tyler Boyd, where are you? It'll start getting tighter, you know. <laughs> Uh, but but uh, you look back at the game in Cleveland went overtime. Uh, you know, there a lot of uh, there, there could have been a, a safety, it could have been a holding call that could have won the game earlier. Um, a, a little bit that I think was fluky, but the, the yardage was fairly even for that game. Um, so I, the game, the fact that it's in Baltimore, the playoffs, I don't think they screw it up. I just don't, unless they get off to a bad start. Look, he's still a rookie quarterback. I don't care if he's won a Heisman Trophy or not. When you start getting down, how many rookie quarterbacks get into the playoffs and are able to have success? It's a whole different noose tightening around your neck. There's a ton of pressure on them this game, just as there was last year, and they blew it last year. So I don't think it's and, – and the Browns are playing with house money. I mean, they're having a blast. You know, they're, That's they're, the thing. They're it's not a not, disgrace anymore. It's not like you're asking Oakland to go in and beat Kansas City or, or something. No, they already got plane tickets bought to Hawaii. For, exactly. Yeah. They don't care. But this is a team that wants – maybe this is whistling past the graveyard because I, I don't think they're going to be able to do it. But the one thing they do have going for them, it means a lot to them. They want to finish over 500. I mean, you set goals, artificial or not, you set goals along the way. They would love to beat Baltimore, although most of the players on this team weren't even born when the Browns moved you know, to Baltimore in 96. Uh, but I do think it means something to them. Uh, Greg Williams, he well, they weren't mathematically shot. eliminated last, last weekend. Week, yeah. yeah, I mean, you could see what their yearly highlight film is going to talk about from the dregs of you know one and thirty-one over two years to not being eliminated from the playoffs to week sixteen. I think the one thing, and I had my doubts about Mayfield. Some people thought he's terrible. You know, big uh, Colin Blowhard said he's undraftable. He's terrible, and blah 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 blah. You know, uh, you know, yet another you know brilliant observation but the one thing about Mayfield I don't know how good a quarterback he'll end up being but he has infused them with a new attitude I mean they they don't back down they won't go in there afraid the coaching uh, changes in, is invigorating there's the another thing too he, he, Greg Williams thinks he's got a chance to become the permanent head coach right hey capping this thing off with a win over Baltimore and he gets credit for six of the eight wins that they get there 
that certainly burnishes his resume. Yeah, I don't think the question mark is around the Browns. They're motivated. they got plenty of reasons to want to win this game. It's not a final regular season game where guys are praying they don't get hurt, they don't want to spend their offseason rehabbing. My question is what, is, what is going on with Baltimore? How confident are they really? As we pointed out, there are three home wins in this stretch, are Bengals, Raiders, and Tampa Bay. They beat Atlanta on the road. The Charger game is impressive, but they lost to Kansas City. I mean, you know, let's, let's see what happens here. But I, but I do think if you know Baltimore marches right down the field, scores the first touchdown, I think they're going to be fine. But if they happen to fall behind in the first half, there's going to be some some tight cheeks. I'm telling you, some tight cheeks. Drive a nail. You can't drive a nail through there. Quickly, let's go to Troy and Camp Hill, PA. Hi, Troy. Hi, Stan. I was just wanted to comment. Uh, I'm a Steelers fan since the '70s. Ticket holder season. Um, I think Juju got it because. He, they couldn't give it to Ben because I'm I'm a little more critical about Ben than a lot of people because Ben may throw for 5,000 yards, but the defense wouldn't have had to hold the Chargers if the offense had done anything at the Chargers against the Chargers in the second half. Ben's thrown some interceptions that <laughs> I've never seen Ben do. So I don't think Ben has had his greatest season as everyone makes it out to be, and that the defense has done such a terrible job when if the offense stays on the field and grinds it out like this young kid from uh, Baltimore is doing, then your defense is fresh, and they look good. But don't get me wrong. We need secondary more than we need replacing Ryan Shazier or Dupree. Well, those I are, agree with you 100%. Those are great those points, are Troy. Old. About the offense, you know, and that's the thing. They were up twenty-three-seven. They were driving on the ground against the Chargers, and Ramon Foster got called for that phantom hold. Um, right. That that's their contention anyway. Uh, I also think, and I think Troy makes excellent points. Um, but aside from the aside from who did what and how well so and so played, um, a couple things. There are people who think that, you know, fresh off the juju fumble, they wanted to make him feel better. But Donnie makes a good point here, too. Um, he says, not surprised. We forget that Ben has a tendency to throw coaches and teammates under the bus after bad games. He especially does it upon a loss. Guys, remember that stuff. And I don't, oh, you're absolutely right. I don't think that, that is, uh, that's a comment coming from left field. I don't. Well, the one thing you got to remember about the Charger game, and, and I'll agree with that game that you got to be a little more aggressive offensively, but you, there's one team in this conference that has scored more points than them. I'm still blaming the defense. I don't yeah. care what the other yeah. parameter. You can't have the second most points, the fourth most points in the NFL, and you're going to miss the playoffs. That's the defense. Troy. Yeah, but guess what? If you're, on the, if, if you're not on the sidelines, and you're on the field the whole second half where it's three and out and you're throwing the ball. I was a defensive player in college. And if you don't get a break, you don't get that break, and your team on the field, your offense out there for four or five minutes, and you get that in break. In the Chargers game, they weren't on the field at all in the first half. They should have been well rested. Troy, I got to go to a break. Speaking of break. 